0: Girlfriends, episode number 208, How to Love Annoying People. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about how you can love annoying people. Not that you have anybody like that in your life. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, welcome. Glad you're here. Always thrilled to connect with you here on the Girlfriends podcast. If you are a first time listener, I want to give you a special welcome. I hope you will enjoy what we share here on Girlfriends and make it a regular part of your week. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. I'm always glad to connect with new and old friends here on the podcast. So this week... I am still in recovery mode. And maybe you can hear a little of the raspiness still in my voice because I'm getting over a cold. So sorry about that. But also I'm in recovery mode still several days after the March for Life. So my family and I went, not all of us, Stephen, um, my high schooler, had to stay back and take finals. But My husband, Dan, and I went along with our two youngest boys, Danny and Rave, who are homeschooled, and Gabby, who was able to get out of taking finals on that particular day. So, um, And then our oldest daughter, Kateri, who is married and moved out of the house, but also was able to join us for the trip. We went with a church group. But let me tell you, this schedule is brutal. I used to do it when my oldest kids were teenagers and I would go as a chaperone on this trip sometimes. And I always did find it hard, but it's been a few years since I did it and it was hard. Um, So the way that we do it is we leave early in the morning. And by early, I mean at 4.30 in the morning on Thursday. And we drive all day and we get to D.C. like dinner time. Then we're up early the next morning, which is the day of the march, to go to mass. Um, some years we've gone to a youth rally at that point. And then you go and you do the march, right? So you're walking all day. And then as soon as you're done with the march, you get on the metro, over to the bus, get on the bus, and then drive all night. So it's like multiple nights sleep are. messed up through this schedule, but it's the cheapest way to do it. It's the most efficient way to do it. And um, so we got home very early on Saturday morning. We probably went to bed like 5 a.m. by the time we all got back home and slept for a few hours before getting up and here's the day, right? Um, Anyway, it's always worth doing. I just wanna give a shout out to a lot of people that I met there. A lot of people that reached out to me let me know they were there, but we weren't able to connect. It's such a great event if you have never been to the March for Life. And I wanna mention that Um, You know, I've mentioned in previous podcasts the idea of making a pilgrimage, and I mentioned the March for Life as a possibility for making a pilgrimage, as um, one of your spiritual goals for the new year could be making a pilgrimage. Um, And then I found out that the March for Life is an official pilgrimage spot. Um, It was made so by Pope Francis, I guess. I don't know how recently this happened, but on our bus, they were handing out these cards with this information from Pope Francis about how the March for Life is an actual pilgrimage site. And if you attend the March for Life, then um, you have the option of obtaining a plenary indulgence, which um, we won't go into all of that here, but it's spiritual graces that you're able to get by attending the March for Life, which is a pilgrimage site. So making that pilgrimage and then praying um, for the Pope's intentions, receiving communion and going to confession inside of a week on either end of the pilgrimage, that sort of thing. Um, But I thought that was really cool. If I can find a link, I'm going to make a little note here to myself. I will put a link for more information about that in case anybody is interested in learning more about plenary indulgences or about the March for Life as specifically a pilgrimage site. And I was glad to know that because it did feel like a pilgrimage, in fact, more so than in years past. I don't know if I'm getting older or if I'm just out of practice or what, Um, but it really was a great experience, and we have a friend who works in the Capitol, and we were able to, on Friday morning before the march, go over and get a personal tour of the Capitol building, and um, I had never done that before. And I've been convinced it's been many years since we took a family vacation to D.C., And now our kids are older and maybe even more able to appreciate a lot of the museums and that kind of thing. So we're definitely planning a trip down there this spring or this summertime. If you have tips for me on doing that, I'd love to hear them. You can always email them to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. looking forward to um, making a trip like that this summertime. But anyway, that was the March for Life. And um, we're in recovery mode still. And yeah, I'm so glad we went. You know, I think it really speaks volumes to our kids about how we feel about life issues and the intrinsic value and worth of every human life when we will make a sacrifice in our schedules, in our work schedules, in our personal time, in our weekend, in our sleep schedules to make it happen, to go and represent the unborn, to be a voice for the voiceless in that way. But anyway, this is related to this week's topic, because this week I'm talking about how to love annoying people. And um, actually, the idea for this topic came to me because on Sunday morning, we were in mass and I was annoyed by the gentleman sitting in front of us <laughs> who kind of came in during the reading of the gospel, okay? So he came in that late, sat directly in front of us, and made a ton of noise and commotion doing so. And then he also like didn't stand when you were supposed to stand, or he took a long time to stand. And I maybe he has some physical handicap. I'm, I'm not judging that. But was often, you know, sitting when we were kneeling. So then he was right there in my space. Or he would lean far forward, like his pants were coming down in the back. You, you know what I'm describing here. Anyway, <laughs> I found myself very much annoyed by this person in mass, right? How bad is that? And then I also reflected on the irony of the fact that my family and I had just made all these efforts to attend the March for Life in Washington because we believe so strongly about the intrinsic value and worth of every human being. And yet here I was in my mind, not so much applying it to this person, being annoyed. And yes, people can be annoying. Annoying people are annoying. Um, But we need to be careful how we are thinking about other people, how we are responding to other people, even when they're annoying because they still have that dignity, that worth. Jesus loves them, even when we are annoyed by their behaviors. So I thought this will be a good topic to take up because that's not the only time I've ever been annoyed by other people. And I am pretty sure you've been annoyed by people too. Sometimes we're annoyed by uh, people in our own families. Of course, that happens, right? That's part of family life. Sometimes it's just a stranger who's, you know, doing something annoying in a public space or, um, you know, whatever it is. What, What is it that's annoying you? Who is it that's annoying you? I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, how we can see beyond our immediate circumstances and learn to love people despite the fact that they might be annoying us currently. This is the great calling that we all have, right? To love others even when they appear to be unlovable to us. So let's talk about that. Whether we're talking about annoying people that are sitting in front of you at mass (laughs) or annoying people that you happen to be married to (laughs) or annoying people that you work with, let's talk about some different ways that you can work on and I can work on loving people even when they're annoying. Okay, the first one is almost kind of obvious, but I need to say it. Pray to see them as God does. When you find yourself annoyed with somebody, pray to see that person the way that God sees that person. I find it's really helpful to take a step back and think, okay, God, you love this person. This is your precious child. I'm having a lot of trouble seeing it right now. Help me to see this person with your eyes. And really, that's the great gift that you hear described about a lot of saints, that they would see people, truly see people for who they are, for the precious gift that each person is, each human life has intrinsic value and they would see people for who they are. And I've known people like this. I've I've known people that I've worked with. There was one gentleman, an older gentleman that I worked with in the past who really, I was struck by the fact that he would really see people. Like you'd go out to lunch and He would truly connect with our waiter at the table and just, I I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but you know it when you see it and you know it when you experience it. So, um, you know, pray for the grace of being able to see other people in that way, especially if there's someone in particular that is annoying you, you know, God is calling you to love that person, even inside of that annoying situation. Um, and it might be that you're, you're praying for your own husband in this way. I know I certainly have before, like, help me to to see him the way that you do. And not that you don't love your husband, but it's, it's very helpful in those moments to ask for the grace to see that person as God sees that person with all of their potential, what God wants that person to be, what God wants for that person. And, um, it can really be an attitude adjustment because don't you want other people to see you that way? I mean, you know, I think we're all annoying sometimes. And actually, that's my second point. Um, Remember sometime when you might have been annoying or unlovable. I remember once being with a group of girlfriends and one of them said to the other um, when she was complaining about her husband, you know, this happens in groups of women sometimes. One of them said to her, I think your husband is a really hard person to be married to. And I remember in that moment thinking, that's not a really helpful thing to say. Like, be encouraging. And it might be true, but the the woman's response was, we're all really hard people to be married to. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Everyone is really hard to be married to. Everyone is really hard to get along with. Yeah, we all have different temperaments and uh, varying degrees of annoying behaviors or habits or whatever. Um, But everyone is difficult sometimes. And I find it helpful to remember perhaps when I was having a bad day and I might have even been rude to somebody who didn't deserve it, whether it was, you know, somebody in a public space or somebody in my own family Or I ever was like short-tempered or or judgmental or angry with somebody and they didn't deserve it. When was I ever crabby or was I stressed about something and took it out on somebody in a way that didn't make sense? Um, We've all had moments where we've done that when we've been like that. And I try to remember moments where I've been like that. And um, Dan is really good about doing this, really. He loves me inside of that. He can either make a joke or he can, you know, say something gentle or give me some space. Um, I, you know, because he knows me well, he knows if there's something going on like that. And he he knows better than anybody, I think, how to handle it. But reflecting on that, when other people have made allowances for you or when other people have, you know, borne the brunt of your bad mood and, you know, you never know what's going on with somebody else. You know, there are always these these articles and different stories that kind of go viral on Facebook because they're so very true where somebody shares about there was a recent one where a man was sharing about the fact that his wife has cancer and she's dying of cancer. And, you know, he's sitting on a subway and nobody around him knows that that is going on in his life. And that very much should color how people are going to talk to him, interact with him. It should, it should influence the way that people interpret what he might say or do. And yet when you don't know somebody's story, when you don't know what somebody's dealing with, when you don't know the burden that they are carrying, you can't do that. And so I think it's helpful to just remember everyone has a burden they're carrying. Some days it's lighter than others. Some days it's heavier than others. But just remembering a day where you were carrying a heavy burden and how that affected your interactions with other people can be really helpful in kind of changing your attitude and your mood towards somebody who might be doing something that's annoying you right now. Even something that's unfair or rude, it can really help to kind of change your perspective on why that person might be behaving that way and can help you to respond more gently, more in love for that person who might be very much struggling with something. And guess what? Even if they're not really struggling with something, what is the harm in assuming they are? It can help you to deal with them. It can help you to kind of reframe the whole situation. It can help you to love that person inside of that moment. Okay, number three is... You know, if somebody is really being annoying, if somebody is really being hurtful, if somebody's really being rude, then they're probably hurting. You know, we had that whole podcast, I think it was titled and this is a long time ago, um hurt people hurt people. <laughs> Something like that. Um but, you know, that phrase is very true that hurt people hurt people. If someone is hurting you either by being annoying or being rude, or really being unjust, then they're very likely a wounded person. They're hurting in some kind of way, and perhaps it makes no sense, and it's not fair, and it is rude, and it's disrespectful, whatever's going on. And that doesn't mean you can't address it, but it should change your perspective a little bit in how you might address it. You don't have to lash out at people. You don't have to stew and get super angry about things. Sometimes you can just accept this person is really hurting, and so they're going to respond in this way. You know, not too long ago, I shared on Facebook and Instagram a story because because I saw going around in social media circles, a lot of women kind of setting up these divisive lines between women who stay home and women who work. And there's one right way. There's always that kind of undercurrent, right? In what people will share about that sort of thing. And um, I was just sharing how... You don't know other people's stories. And okay, so the story that I shared was the fact that a woman was kind of rude to me at mass once when I walked in with my family and all of my kids, all eight of them were under the age of 12. So we were quite a sight to behold walking into mass and filing into the pew, right? And this woman sitting behind me tapped me on the shoulder after we sat down and just like in an angry way, just kind of hissed into my ear and not everyone can have a large family, you know like angry like that. And I hadn't said anything to her, you know? So here's a great example of somebody who I, you know, I was very much taken aback and I just said, of course, to her and nothing else. But then I just sat there really rattled and not even able to focus during mass because I thought, why is this person angry at me? Why why would she say that angry defensive thing to me? I am not telling her that she should have had a large family or that everybody should have a large family. But I came to realize just the fact that my family existed was an affront to her, was a challenge to her. And what kind of person is going to feel that way? A person who is hurt, a person who is wounded for whatever reason. You know, maybe she suffered many miscarriages. Maybe she never even married and she wanted to. Maybe she wasn't able to have a child ever. And she's really suffering as a result of that. So me walking in with my parade of kids was like salt in her wounds. So she lashed out. Didn't make sense. Wasn't fair to me. But we can understand why someone might do that. You know, I'm always a fan of saying you can explain people's behaviors without excusing them, right? It's not saying it was great for her to do that, but it's an explanation and it kind of helps us to see her perspective, perhaps, to know that she is probably hurting. And when someone does something similar to you, whatever it might be, whether it's just being rude in line at the grocery store or in traffic or whatever, just be like, you know what? What a a sad thing that is. What a miserable person that (laughs) that must be. You know, I I had a similar experience too in in a work situation where somebody just kind of, I mean, I don't know how else to even describe it, freaked out on me about something very small. And I couldn't explain it. And then I ended up just finding, I I've really had trouble <laughs> for like that entire day because I was like, why is this person doing this? Why are they so angry about this thing? And um, I ended up just, you know, kind of talking to myself <laughs> through the thing saying how miserable that person must be. Whatever's going on with them how angry and sad they must be to be responding that way to this thing, right? And so that can be very helpful to you inside of a moment. If somebody is being annoying, even if it's in a small way, um, to, to realize that they're probably hurting. They're probably, you know, hurting or wounded in some kind of a way, especially if they're doing something that's hurtful to you. Um, okay, next point. Look for a way to help them. Look for a way to help them. Sometimes people are annoying. Let's say like um, an annoying person in your workplace because they are complaining all the time, right? What's going on with them? Or they're, they're always late or they, you know, always say negative things. They maybe they're they're in need of some kind of help. Ask how you can help them. And, you know, if nothing else, that can at least reframe your mindset a little bit, but it might also help to reframe their mindset a little bit. Like, you know what? People are being nice to me. People want to help me. If someone's always, you know, complaining about something, ask how you can help them. Or if someone's annoying you in a public space, ask if there's some way you can help them. If they're they're being rude in line, maybe let them go ahead of you. What's the harm in doing that, right? What's it going to cost you? A few minutes? Um, so ask for, look for a way to help them. And and I know when people are being annoying, your natural response is a very negative one and you just kind of want to reject them. And the last thing in the world you want to do is be generous with them. And um, I've even run into this in my own interactions with people that sometimes I don't want to offer to help them because I feel like that's going to encourage this behavior, right? But it doesn't have to encourage that behavior. It can be a way of kind of bringing them out of their situation, whatever it is that they are struggling with, and let them know that you actually see them you recognize them, you see that they're struggling with something, and even if you aren't able to help, offering to help in some kind of way or asking them how you can help can kind of jar them out of that kind of mindset that they are alone against the world. And isn't that often what we're running into when people are being annoying? That they're they're not they're not thinking that anybody's in that situation with them. They're kind of alone against the world. And when we're being annoying, that's what we're doing too. So, um look for a way to do that and pray for the grace to be able to do that if that's something you're you're struggling with. Pray for the grace to be able to respond generously to somebody who's in need of love. We're all in need of love, but never more so than when we are being annoying, right? Okay. Next, ignore negativity. This can be so hard because sometimes it's so outrageous, right? I think of some situations with coworkers, there were some people who like, they were just so negative, but you don't have to buy into that. You don't have to, you know, engage in their complaining behavior. You can just ignore it. Or if they're, you know, doing something that's like a direct affront to you, of course, you can address that. But then ignore whatever you can. And, you know, sometimes the most annoying things are people who do complain, who do make negative comments, right? And they're they're not people you want to be around. But here's something that I find is helpful, is when somebody's being negative, and I, I'll do this in my own family, much to people's annoyance, you can even introduce a little bit of humor to it. Like you can help them to see how they, how they sound by if someone's like giving you a long litany of complaints, let's say in like a coworker who's complaining about a number of things, you can respond with a super, super positive comment, not addressing whatever they're talking about, but just be like, oh, isn't the sky so beautifully bright blue today? I can't wait to go outside for a walk at lunchtime. (laughs) You know, like just say something super Pollyanna. Um, And I, I know that I I've heard other people do similar things, and it's a little bit funny, but it also is a little bit um, of a wake-up call, a little bit of a reality check. Like, hey, everything we've been talking about is super negative. Let's let's not do that, right? And you can do that in your own family. You can do that with your kids. You can do that with your husband. Um, try not to be too annoying about it, because then you become the annoying person. Um, but you can use a little bit of humor. Um, or, you know, worst case scenario, I- ignore What it is that's annoying you. So, my example that I started with, with the man who's sitting in front of us at church, yeah, kind of hard to ignore because it's right there. But just keep pulling your mind away from it. That's what we're supposed to do in Mass anyway, right? You're not supposed to be noticing all the people around you. You need to be focused on the miracle that is happening right there on the altar and that you're about to receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior in the Eucharist. Hello. Is there anything more important than that? Does it matter what is going on in the pews around you? Absolutely not. So you can ignore that and, um, you know, remind yourself and re-remind yourself as much as you need to remember that. All right, next point I want to make is when you're dealing with annoying people, whether it's in your own home and family, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in friendships or at work or in a public space with strangers, remember what you can and can't control. You cannot control perhaps, what that person is doing or saying. You can control how you react to it. And I find this alone is a really empowering thing to think about. I can't control it. And sometimes that's the most annoying thing. Like, we want to correct everybody, right? I'm always accusing my husband, Dan, of this when he's driving. Like, I I feel like he wants to give other people driving lessons. (laughs) really. Um, The road isn't the place to be doing that, right? You can't control what other people are doing. You can control how you're going to respond to it. In a driving situation, you can control your own safety and perhaps avoid interactions with people who aren't being safe for whatever reason. You know, the same applies inside of our personal reactions with people, whether it be in the post office or at your workplace or at your kid's school. Remember that you can't control what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're behaving, however bad it might be but you can control how you respond to it. And you need to control how you respond to it. For sure, there are some situations where you need to address it. And my previous point of ignoring it doesn't apply. You know, there there are situations where it makes sense to speak out, but doing it kindly, doing it politely, doing it with respect to the fact that you're interacting with a precious child of God, trying to remember that, keeping that at the forefront of your mind. Sometimes that's the furthest thing from our mind when somebody is getting on our nerves. Remember that you are responsible for how you react to other people, even when they're being incredibly annoying, even when something very unjust is going on. You know, think of Jesus and the example he sets for us through his entire passion and death on the cross. There was nothing just about any of that. And he didn't even speak up to defend himself. What a powerful example that is, right? We are not dealing with anything remotely like that. (laughs) I promise. You're not. I'm not. Nobody is. That's not going on. That's not the annoying behavior we're dealing with. So since it falls short of that, and our Lord gave us the example of not even speaking out to defend himself, then perhaps we can put up with a little bit more than what we thought we could. Perhaps that annoying behavior is something we can offer up to God and just chalk it up to that. Look at it as an opportunity. Sometimes the, the most challenging things that I deal with, whether it be a challenging situation or especially a challenging person, it helps me to reframe in my mind this is an opportunity to give a gift back to God. This is an opportunity to offer up this little bit of annoyance, this little bit of suffering, and make it a great gift to God. Hard to remember to do in the moment. I know it can be a real struggle. But if you reframe it and think, oh here's an opportunity. This is a gift to me, an opportunity to turn this negative thing into something beautiful that I can give back to God. Look at the things inside your life that come up that might annoy you, things that turn into an obstacle to you, people who are getting in your way, people who are bringing you down, people who are being unfair to you, people who are being rude, all those things that people do that annoy us, then look at it as an opportunity look at it look at it as an invitation from Jesus himself to share a little bit in his cross and offer that up as a gift to god that's all he's asking us to do that's why right girlfriends this is why we pray our morning offering this is why we offer up our entire day to god before it even happens because it all has incredible worth if we will just do that, if we will just remember to do that. So, so much more so in the moment, we can remember to offer it up. We can choose how we react and offer it back to God. And a beautiful way to do that is to repeat your morning offering so that you're doing it very deliberately and reminding yourself of what you're doing. Another way that I try to do it is praying that Jesus prayer. I know we talked about this. I do not know which podcast we talked about this on, but I know I've mentioned it here on the podcast before, the Jesus prayer which if you are not familiar with it, is a powerful spiritual tool. So the Jesus prayer is very simple. It goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's it. Memorize that little phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the practice of the Jesus prayer, I'll put a link in the show notes, hang on, putting a little note to myself to put that link in there so I don't forget. The Jesus prayer is a great habit that you can cultivate in your life repeating that phrase and um, it's something I've been working on in the past few months where you can actually use it as a meditation practice where you will just sit and repeat the Jesus prayer. There are actually, this is in the Eastern Rite, um, that this is a, a popular popular prayer practice. Um, there are actually prayer cords that you can use very much like a rosary and kind of just count how many times you're praying that Jesus prayer and you know do that in a very meditative way. Um, But also it's meant to become a habit that you take with you through your day, something that's running through your mind and your heart throughout the day, just repeating those words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, constantly calling on the name of Jesus and the power in that, calling on God to help us, calling on God to have mercy on us, but then reminding ourselves that we are sinners that we need God. And I find that so helpful, especially inside of a situation where you're dealing with a difficult person, where you're dealing with an annoying situation to just repeat that prayer and reset your heart, reset your mind to focus on the fact that God is God. Only God is God. Only God is perfect. We are all sinners. And it can kind of reframe your whole perspective on dealing with an annoying situation. So remember to do that. Last thing I want to mention for How to Love Annoying People is you can reduce your contact with them if it's at all possible or if it makes sense. If you can and you need to, you are totally allowed to do that. Um, So of course, this won't work if the annoying person is your husband or the annoying person is your teenage son. Well, it can work. You can give yourself a little space, right? You can take a little break and say, you know what? I'm going to be in the other room for a little bit. Um, And that can be actually a great gift to that person because maybe they're being annoying because you are getting on their nerves. (laughs) Never more true than when you're pestering a teenage boy with questions about his day and he is being gruff in his responses to you. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Anyway, you can reduce your contact. You can take a step back. So even if it is in your own home, your own family, in your own marriage, you can give each other the gift of that little bit of space for a little bit of time. But if it's a person in the workplace... You can avoid contact with them if it's a neighbor. um, Now, this doesn't mean you run away from people and choose not to interact with them because they have these personality traits that annoy you. Um, God might be calling you to love that person inside of that. But I actually think this kind of falls under the um, natural consequences (laughs) clause inside of personal relationships. If you are an annoying person, people aren't going to want to hang out with you. If you have a friend who has... You know, habits that are very difficult for you. If they are annoying, nobody says that needs to be your best friend. You need to have that negative influence in your life. Um, you know, most days of the week. Not so. You are called to love that person, but you can limit your interactions with people. Um, you can set up boundaries, even with extended family members if they're the ones who are being annoying people. Um, you know, I already gave the driving example. If someone's annoying you on the road, give them space you don't have to interact with them at all. You know, pull over, let them go by or um, let them go first in in line if someone's being rude or something. You can avoid interactions with people um, who are being annoying. And sometimes that's the best way to kind of defuse a situation is to give the other person space, reduce your contact with them. And like I said, natural consequences. If somebody is continually being annoying or being rude, People aren't going to want to be around them. And if if that's the case with you, it doesn't mean you have to be rude or a jerk back to them about it. But you, you can reduce the amount of time that you're spending with people. You are allowed to do that. You actually have an obligation to do that, especially inside of personal friendships. If there's somebody who is a negative influence in your life, you don't need that. And that doesn't mean I'm advocating, you know, <laughs> just uh, burning all your bridges and cutting off ties with people and having dramatic friendship breakups. But You know, reducing how much you're hanging out with somebody who's a negative influence in your life absolutely makes sense. And you need to be doing that because at the end of the day, we are the sum total of the people we're choosing to spend our time with. So make sure you're spending time with people who are going to lift you up. All right. So those are my tips for how to deal with annoying people. First, pray to see them as God does. Number two, remember sometime when you might have been unlovable in your behavior and help that to reframe your perspective. Number three, know that they're probably hurting. Number four, offer to help them. Number five, ignore negativity. Number six, remember what you can control. Choose how you react and do that prayerfully. Number seven, know that you can and should probably reduce contact with people who are annoying you. That is okay. All right. If you have feedback on this episode of Girlfriends about how to handle negative people, how to love annoying people, I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, Danielle at daniellebean.com. I'm Danielle Bean on social media. You know how to contact me. If you have feedback on this episode or any episode or an idea for a future topic for me to take up here on Girlfriends, you know I would love to hear from you. All right, coming up, we have some feedback from a listener who is struggling with NFP. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to The Girlfriends Podcast.
1: Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon.
0: Welcome back. Now we've got time for feedback here. And I heard from a listener this week, Jessie, who wrote to me about her struggles with NFP. For anybody who doesn't know, NFP stands for Natural Family Planning, which is really fertility awareness for the purposes of planning or spacing or avoiding pregnancies. It is a licit practice inside of the Catholic Church for those purposes, and it is a hot topic in Catholic circles. Um, So this is what I heard from Jesse this week. Dear Danielle, I just found out I'm pregnant with our fourth child in five years, and I don't know how else to say this, but I am devastated. I thought I was using NFP correctly, but I guess I thought wrong. My husband is wonderful, and of course we will love this baby, but money is super tight, and I am exhausted and in tears by the end of most days. I dread telling our friends and even my own mother who will not be so supportive. I feel guilty that I'm not happy to be pregnant when I know others who would love to be pregnant. Why does God work this way? I am not sure what I'm asking for you to tell me or anything. I think I just needed to share my struggles with you as you were like a big sister to me through your podcast. But maybe you can tell me how to make NFP actually work. I love all that you share and please pray for me to make it through this pregnancy and beyond. Love, Jesse. Oh boy. Okay, Jesse, this is a common, common thing. Actually, I think many people listening right now can probably relate to what you are sharing here and your struggles with NFP. In fact, I did an entire episode called getting real or real talk about NFP, I think is what I called it. I'm, man, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes. I got to keep reminding myself. Okay. Making a note to put the links in the show notes to the NFP podcast. Um, so first of all, you know, go and listen to that episode because I think that will be maybe a little bit helpful because in that episode, I talk, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I talk about the fact that it really can be a struggle. And many couples do struggle with NFP, myself included, um, for sure, have struggled with NFP over the years. But I've just got, I, I just want to say to you, Jesse. you know, first of all, it's okay to feel negative, you're feeling guilty about feeling negative, it's okay because this is a hard thing you're doing. It's a hard thing that God's calling you to and it's okay to admit that it's hard. I for sure have had over the years some positive pregnancy tests where I needed a minute and it was a struggle. And I'll never forget that a dear friend who I shared you know, my positive pregnancy test with in those early days, one of the times when I was really struggling, it really seemed hard. Um, her response to me was, God must love you so much. That was her immediate response when she found out I was pregnant for the umpteenth time. And I was just so moved by that because not only had most other people's reactions been negative, including my own, um, but that was a super positive and honestly, true thing to say. Not that, you know, God doesn't love people when they don't become pregnant. That's of course not what I'm saying here. But this child is a gift And God loves you so much that he's giving you this precious, irreplaceable gift for all time, You are mother to that child. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that. But that said, it's okay to feel negative. You need to give yourself permission to admit that this is a hard thing, to admit that you are struggling with it. And, you know, just pray for the grace you need to get through that. And it's okay though to admit that it's hard. Maybe you need to find an outlet in your life. Maybe it's a girlfriend, maybe a sister. It sounds like your mom's not going to be the person to play this role for you that you can vent with about it. That can kind of help you to laugh about it and um, you know let go of some of that negativity in a healthy environment. Um, so also related, NFP really is hard for some people. For some people, it's super easy. So if you are one of those people listening, Good for you. and I think that's awesome that you love it and it works great for you. But please know that there are many people who do struggle with it. And it, it's important to recognize that, especially inside of our conversations in in the Catholic Church where we're talking about NFP, sometimes over the years, I think less so now. I think it's gotten much better over the recent over recent years. But early on in my marriage, it was all all happy talk. About NFP, which is great because that's true too. It can be a great gift and it's a great resource and a great tool. And learning more about our fertility is a wonderful thing. And having access to this information about how our bodies work is a beautiful gift and something women in previous generations didn't have to the extent that we have it today. So, really, a, a beautiful thing. But, you know, people who are going to tell all people that NFP is a great gift to your marriage and it's going to improve communication with your husband, well, maybe not it may be very hard. It may be very hard for you. Um, But that said, you did ask specifically about how you can make NFP actually work. I have no idea what method you're using, but you might want to look into a different method. There are lots of different ones out there. And it sounds like the one you're using is not a good fit for you. And you're not happy with it. You're not going to be confident with it going forward. Um, So knowing that, You've got nine months to kind of research and see what else there might be out there that you might want to check out. There's so many different ones out there. Um, You know, a little bit of Googling around and you for sure can find one. You might check with your parish and see what's available there. But it's been my experience that if there is NFP uh, support available to parish, it's usually with one method. So like there's a practitioner of one particular method at that parish who offers their services. And so that's limiting in that way. So you want to make sure you do your research and find out all the different methods that are available out there and figure out which one might work for you. Um, I know for us, ultimately, I was really grateful eventually in our marriage when I got access to a fertility monitor, which greatly simplified things for me. (laughs) I'm not a scientist and I'm not great about making observations. I was not the best with all of the charting and um, all the different kinds of observations you needed to do and the things you needed to keep track of. And, you know, life is chaotic enough with um, four going on five kids under the age of five for you, Jesse. So um, you may want to look into a method that will streamline things. And um, it was my experience that using a fertility monitor was really helpful in kind of making things clear. The one we had was just so great because it was like a red light And green light. (laughs) So it's like... Red light means if you don't want to get pregnant, abstain, and green light meant that didn't matter and that you weren't fertile at that time. So really kind of helpful to simplify things. I needed that. You might need that. And, you know, ask around. There might be people um, in your church community or among your girlfriends who are using something different and something that you never even heard of and probably that I never heard of because I haven't been researching that in recent years. So I'm not up to speed on that, but I bet some listeners are and so if anybody listening has a particular method or an app or something that you love feel free to send it along to me danielle at daniellebean.com and i'll pass it along to jesse perhaps i could gather some together and share them um, maybe in our facebook group so then the last thing i want to mention to you jesse is you mentioned you have a wonderful husband what a gift that is that is meant to be your support during this time of challenge for you. So lean on your husband. You're in this together. And then pray for the sacramental grace of your marriage. That's what it's for. You know, we have grace inside the sacrament of marriage. And you sometimes we we think, oh, that's grace I got when I got the sacrament on my wedding day. No, no, no. Your marriage is an ongoing thing, a living, breathing thing, and you have access to those sacramental graces throughout the lifetime of your marriage. And you need them for times like this, when you're going through something difficult, when something very large has been set before you and God is calling you to something that feels just a little bit too big. That's what those sacramental graces are for. So lean on those sacramental graces, pray for them. Specifically, Ask God for those graces to get you through this time inside of your marriage and your family. Lastly, just I want to let you know, Jesse, that I'm going to be praying for you. I'll be praying for you to have the grace and the strength to get through this. Even by the tone of your email, I know you have a sense of humor and I know that you have the gift of faith and the gift of a good marriage and a sweet family It's an especially hard time of life when they're all so little, and you have so many. I know it well, and I can tell you from the other side of it that you will, too, get through this, and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's okay that it is hard right now. Know that I'll be praying for you, and I want to invite other listeners to be praying for Jesse, and pray for all people who are struggling with a new pregnancy. Pray for all people who, whether they're married or in a crisis pregnancy situation, that call from God to be welcoming of new life, to give just a little bit more of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually to the nurturing of an unborn human being. It's a unique call and it's sometimes a very daunting and challenging thing. So let's pray for all people who are pregnant and perhaps struggling inside of that situation. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to take up on a future episode of The Girlfriend's Podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can email me danielle at daniellebean.com, send me a voicemail message at that email address, or connect with me, Danielle Bean, on social media. Before we have to go, I want to, to mention that my newest book is about to release called Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood, newly available from Ave Maria Press. We will have the links to order the book and all the links that I've mentioned in this episode, all the different resources that are related to the topics we've talked about here today, available in the show notes always at ascensionpress.com. But if you can't be bothered to go and look that up later, if you know you're going to forget, here's something simple you can do. You can subscribe to the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast by texting the word Girlfriends to 33777. So the word girlfriends, text it to 33777 and you will get the show notes delivered to your inbox every week. That way you will never miss an episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. And you will also have all of those handy links available right there in your email. You won't ever have to worry about that again. Also included in the show notes are links and information about the places where I'm going to be speaking. If you are interested in bringing my retreats, you are worth it or you are enough based on women's stories in the Bible to your community. These are retreats, half day retreats that are designed especially for women. If you're interested in finding out more information about how to bring these retreats to your parish, to your community, to your women's group, you can get information about that online at Daniellebean.comslash retreats. Or if you're interested in having me come speak as part of your conference, you can get information about having me do that at daniellebean.com slash speaking. That's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of the Girlfriends Podcast just by listening, hitting play, putting in your earbuds, taking me along on your walk or on your commute you are an important part of this community of girlfriends and know that I am praying for you each week. I am so grateful for you just showing up until next time. I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.